The following program is for informational purposes only. Do not make any investment without speaking to a licensed financial advisor. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. It's Sunday morning and you know what that means. It means it's time for your appointment. Your appointment with your financial physician, Lou Scatigna here, certified financial planner, Thanks for taking time out of your week to join us for our program where we talk money, markets, politics, and and virtually anything. That's what I love about this program. I could talk about anything and uh, and everything uh, and anything that affects your life and my life here on The Financial Physician. And there's never a shortage of topics to talk about because the news cycle just uh, is pretty amazing these days. So I got a great show for you today. Today we're going to talk about how about are you, are you, people across the country are getting these letters in the mail from their uh, homeowners insurance and car insurance companies talking about major increases. Now, I got a letter this week from Allstate saying that my homeowners insurance is going up not 5%, 55%. I'm going to read that letter to you later on in the program. Same is true of car insurance. Uh, what else we got to talk about? Oh, it looks like maybe this uh, central bank digital currency they've been talking about may come out before election this year. Uh, this week, we saw major outages across the country for AT&T and other carriers. Uh, was this a cyber attack? Also, uh, pharmacies nationwide uh, on the same day reported outages. They couldn't get orders through because of a cyber attack. Uh, and... Uh, there's major concern in Washington that the Chinese or the Russians really could shut down almost anything in this country. So we'll talk about that later on. Uh, last Friday, I didn't cover it, but far-left judge and, and jury, Arthur Engoron, he fleeced $355 million from Trump for taking out loans and paying them back on time. And he said that uh, Trump has to put up the money before he could appeal. He's got to put up the money in 30 days. Letitia James another far-left anti-Trump, uh, is ready to seize his buildings. Uh, this, this is totally outrageous. We'll talk about that. Oh, by the way, Trump, he won the South Carolina primary, as expected. We'll touch on that later in the program. Uh, because of the, the situation with Trump in New York, billionaires are saying that they're leaving the city. They will not invest any money in real estate in New York. Actually, New York State, not just the city. Uh, how about lending money to family and friends? The do's and don'ts. That's a pretty touchy uh, subject. We'll talk about that. Uh, the Red, Red Cross confirms that uh, the unvaccinated may get blood that has been from vaccinated people. I don't want any of that in my body. I'll tell you that. 
Um, what else do we have? Oh, a male student identifying as a girl injures three girls in a basketball game. Uh, the team that got the injuries forfeited and in saying that we're not going to risk our players anymore. I mean, this guy's like six foot two. He's ripping balls out of girls' hands, knocking them to the ground. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, let's start off the program uh, talking about the Federal Reserve. There's a lot of talk about the Federal Reserve now. Because they're raising interest rates, they caused inflation, now they're trying to battle inflation, and they got a lot of power. And a lot of people are starting to realize the power that the Federal Reserve has over us. And the Federal Reserve is the central bank of the country. Now, Thomas Jefferson was adamant about having a central bank against it. He thought it would give too much power to unelected people, and boy, was he right. He was right. So what is the Federal Reserve? I want to spend some time and I want to educate you on what it is, how it works, how I believe it's unconstitutional and the power it has over us and and what they're doing now and what I think they're going to continue to do. So uh, the Federal Reserve is the central bank of the United States, also known as the Fed in short. And it is in charge of a number of things. Monetary policy. What's monetary policy? Monetary policy is interest rates. They control what's called the federal funds rate, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, They uh, supervise and regulate the banking system. Uh, They regulate uh, financial institutions. They try to ensure the stability of financial markets. But they have a dual mandate. There's something called the dual mandate. What's their job? Well, the main job is to control inflation and to uh, have maximum employment. And they do that through their monetary policy, which gives them a lot of power. So say the economy is bad. We're in a recession. Things aren't going good. Well, typically, the Federal Reserve would lower interest rates. By lowering interest rates, that's an accommodated policy, they call it. There's a lot of terms you'll hear on financial news and stuff. Uh, They're accommodative. They're restrictive. Accommodative means they're keeping interest rates low. They're printing money. There's a lot of money flowing around. Businesses are expanding. They're hiring people. People are buying homes because mortgage rates are low. uh, And it stimulates economic growth. That's what lowering interest rates does. Now, the opposite is true. When you have too much economic growth, you have too low unemployment, you have inflation and also quantitative easing, which is another thing we'll get into in a second. So, you know, they they, they put the pedal to the metal for a very long time. After the crisis of 2008, they brought interest rates to zero and they kept it there until 2019, 2018, 2019. They started raising rates. COVID hit. They reversed themselves. They brought it back down to zero for the longest time. They printed $120 billion a month. They financed uh, the government stimulus packages, trillions and trillions of dollars. And I was warning on this program two years ago that a major inflation problem was coming. And I didn't say that because I'm a genius. You don't have to be a genius to know that. What you have to do is be a historian and read economic history. You can't create money out of thin air 
to the proportions that we did, without the equal amount of economic growth, if you do that, it results in inflation. Every time. And that's the thing that's so mind-numbing about this, is that this inflation was avoidable. Easily avoidable. And the Fed knew that what they were doing. Now, you would think of any institution, the Federal Reserve has access to the best economists and everything else that know this stuff. But maybe there was no choice at the time. So they create this monster inflation that we haven't seen in 50 years. And now they got to slay this monster. And the way they slay it is by raising interest rates and destroying the economy, destroying demand, destroying housing prices, destroying people's ability to make a living. And they're hell-bent on, con- uh, on continuing that. So there's three entities that make up the Federal Reserve. First of all, the Federal Reserve came into effect in 1913 uh, through the Federal Reserve Act. Now, before the Federal Reserve, we had many, many financial crashes. Bank, banks collapsing. There was a big, um, a big uh, crash in 1907. It was called the Bank Panic of 1907. Uh, where a major financial institution on Wall Street failed, kind of like Lehman Brothers, and uh, and the system was imploding. People were running on banks. There was no central bank to inject money into the system. So J.P. Morgan, the J.P. Morgan, not the bank, it was his bank, but J.P. Morgan himself uh, uh, got uh, some very rich billionaires and himself to f- to put money into the system to save it. And he did. Because at that point, uh, uh, the economy is ready to crash uh, and we were going into a depression. So J.P. Morgan was able to, to, to bring um, all these big guys to his mansion and command all their capital to flood the system and bail the banks out. And uh, he continued to do so until the panic passed. Now, I'm sure he profited very wisely, very nicely from it. Uh, He probably owned all the shares in these banks that he just bailed out. So uh, there was concern that, well, maybe the United States needs a central bank. Now, this is not the first. The Fed was not the first central bank the United States had. We tried it with the National Bank of the United States, uh, and, and, and that lasted like 10 years, and then that had to be shut down. It wasn't working. Um, But the Federal Reserve Act, um, signed into law by President Woodrow Wilson, uh, gave the 12 Federal Reserve Banks the ability to print money and ensure economic stability. Now, how did this come about? Well, it came about because the banks who own the Federal Reserve backed Woodrow Wilson. They knew that he was for this, and they funded him. And they knew that once he won, that he would sign this. Now, um, Senator Nelson Aldrich, which was the maternal uh, uh, grandfather of the Rockefellers, uh, he was a senator. And and he got other senators. He brought them together. You heard about the creature from Jekyll Island where they all met on Jekyll Island to put together this thing, the, the Federal Reserve. Well, the Federal Reserve Act was passed. December 23rd of 1913. Now, now, why is that date interesting? That date is two days before Christmas. 
Now, in 1913, it wasn't that easy to get home from Washington, D.C. You didn't hop on a plane and went home in two hours. You took trains and everything else. It took days to get home. So half of Congress was gone for the holidays. And the Senate pushed it through on the eve of Christmas Eve with less than uh, two-thirds of Congress present, or at least the Senate. And that's how it came about. Woodrow Wilson signed it, and now we transferred the ability to create money from the United States Treasury to an unelected group of bankers. And the way it was sold to us was, well, they'll be able to stabilize the economy, keep the banks from going under. FDIC was created uh, to insure the banks. And uh, all is good. Now, there's debate and there's been lawsuits. Is this constitutional? Because the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution clearly states that Congress should have the power to coin or create money and regulate the value thereof. It's very, very plain. But today, or since 1913, the Fed, which is a privately owned company, it is not part of the U.S. government. They want you to believe that it's like an agency of the U.S. It's not. It's a total lie. The, the Fed is not part of the U.S. government. Uh, no more than Federal Express is. Is Federal Express the nation's uh, shipping company? No, of course not. Well, the Federal Reserve is not the U.S. government. The U.S. government has very little control or effect over the Federal Reserve. The president nominates the chairman. There's 12 board of governors that rotate. Uh, and every two years, the president can nominate a new governor. And they're staggered every two years. The, 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 they're on for 14 years, I believe, or 12 years. And uh, they stagger them so no one administration could stack the Federal Reserve. And that's the thing. The Federal Reserve, you know, can be politicized. And they say, well, it's independent. It's not politicized. It is politicized. I'll tell you, there's so many instances. Going back to Richard Nixon brought in uh, uh, the head of the Federal Reserve and demanded that, that, that he lower interest rates going into the election. And, and they capitulate. Who actually owns the Federal Reserve? Well, the ownership of um, of the central bank and central banks around the world is a very well-kept secret, but it has been revealed, and I'm going to reveal it to you. This is who owns the Federal Reserve. Rothschild Bank of London. Why would a foreign country own part of our central bank and have influence over it? Well, they're not the only one. The Warburg Bank of Hamburg, Germany. The Rothschild Bank of Berlin. Well, before its demise, Lehman Brothers uh, was an owner of it. Well, they're gone now. La Lazard Brothers of Paris. Kuhn Loeb Bank of New York. Israel Moses Seif Banks of Italy. Goldman Sachs, New York. Warburg Bank of Amsterdam. Chase Manhattan Bank of New York. So these banks, as you can see, half of them 
or European. And, and these bankers are connected to the London banking houses, which ultimately control the Fed. So England lost the Revolutionary War with us. Um, and now they're controlling us through our banking system over the years. Isn't that interesting? So uh, the Federal Reserve is at the behest of the banks. They do not work for the people. The Federal Reserve works for the banks that own them and do everything they can to enrich those banks. And if you go back in history, Presidents Lincoln, Jackson, Kennedy tried to stop these central bankers by printing U.S. dollars outside of the Fed, through the Treasury. What happened to these people? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, ask John F. Kennedy. He was very anti-Fed. And uh, you don't mess with the bankers. Money is power. Remember that. You know, the Fed's books aren't open to the public. Congress has yet, since 1913, yet audited it. So they have a lot of power. They're very independent. Um, They usurp the government of the United States, the role of the United States, uh, and they control everything here. And there's... um, there's no men, there's no body, body of men more entrenched in power than this arrogant credit monopoly, which is the Federal Reserve and the Federal Reserve banks. These criminals have robbed this country of more than enough money to pay the national debt to zero. They've robbed it. The government of the United States permitted the Federal Reserve Board to steal from the people of this country. And they still do. Think about it. It must be nice to be able to print money. If you or I did it, we'd go to jail. But the Fed is the biggest counterfeiting operation the world has ever seen. Oh, and by the way, the people who enacted the Fed uh, shortly thereafter started the IRS a few months later. So the government had to create an income tax to pay the interest expense to the Fed shareholders of the debt that they were creating. By the way, the, the, income, tax, the income tax was never legally passed. That's a whole other segment to talk about later on. It was never legally passed. Um. There's an old quote from Amschel Rothschild. Again, his bloodline controls the Fed. The Rothschilds are in everything. His quote was, allow me to control the issue and the nation's money, and I care not who makes its laws. And he's right. There's more power in the control of the money of the country uh, than it is uh, legislators. He went on to say, for if one unscrupulous group is allowed to print the nation's money, it could eventually use that money to gain control of the press and the politicians and thus gain control of, the, of making the nation's laws and finally control the nation itself. Wow. 
That's Rothschild telling you that. And that's exactly what's happened. Um, Ben Franklin said in his autobiography uh, that the inability of the colonists to get the power to issue their own money permanently out of the hands of George III and the international bankers was one of the prime reasons for the Revolutionary War. Thomas Jefferson said, quote, I believe that the I believe that banking institutions are more dangerous to our liberties than standing armies. Already they've raised up a money aristocracy that has set the government at defiance. The issuing power of money, he said, should be taken from the banks and restored to the people to whom it properly belongs. And at the time, he's talking about the Bank of England. He also uh, later said, if the American people ever allow private banks to control the issue of currency, first by inflation and then by deflation, the banks and corporations that will grow up around them will deprive the people of all property until the children will wake up homeless on the continent their fathers conquered. Charles Lindbergh, he became a congressman after his flight. Uh, Charles Lindbergh, Congressman Charles Lindbergh of Minnesota said, quote, the Federal Reserve Act establishes the most gigantic trust on earth. When uh, President Wilson signs this bill, the invisible government of the monetary power will be legalized. The worst legislative crime of the ages perpetrated, perpetrated by this banking and currency bill. So you can see back in the day, we were being warned about that. Even Napoleon, a sympathizer for international bankers, he turned against them in the last years of his rule. He said, quote, when a government is dependent upon bankers for money, they and not the leaders of the government control the situation. Since the hand that gives is above the hand that takes. Money has no motherland. Financiers are without patriotism and without decency. Their sole object is gain. So uh, you could see the controversy about the Federal Reserve. And it goes on today. And they have total power over us. Now, you, now, they've been uh, very aggressive in raising interest rates. After causing the, reset, uh, the inflation that we're living through now, through quantitative easing, $120 billion a month of printing money, I mean, how did they think this wasn't going to wind up with inflation? And now by battling the inflation that they caused, they're going to cause a major recession. And what does that mean? It means average people get hurt. Many are going to lose their jobs just when they're paycheck to paycheck, dealing with the inflation from everything from groceries to fuel to utilities, insurance, which we're going to talk about later. You want to talk about inflation. Uh, it's uh, the Fed's a disaster. Like I said they had so much control over us. Now they're going to roll out this uh, 
central bank digital currency. You think they have control over us now? Wait till that comes out. And what CBDCs are, uh, it replaces cash with a, a programmable, trackable, uh, censored token, basically. They, they know what you're spending your money on, every single thing. Because if there's no cash, you have to use the digital currency. And they'll know who you're, who you're, you're giving money to, what political party, what political candidate. They'll know if you're buying guns, you're buying ammo, you're buying alcohol. They're going to know if you're religious, do you give money to churches and to uh, religious causes. And uh, it's just another way of monitoring and censoring you. Uh, then next will be uh, social credit scores based on how you spend your money. What is your carbon footprint? How much do you pay on your electric bill, your gas bill? How much gasoline do you use? They'll know all of that. And they'll either tax you accordingly or limit the amount of money you could spend. There'll also be digital IDs, vaccine passports, and much more stuff that I haven't even thought of yet. It's going to be financial tyranny. And they'll have total control of you. They're already doing it in, uh, in China. And it seems that there's not a whole lot of pushback on this in Congress. You know, Trump said under his administration, that'll never happen. At least we have one political leader saying that. I don't know of any other. And what does that mean for alternative digital currencies like Bitcoin? Are they going to outlaw it? Well, why would they want competition? Uh, they, they can't really tell how somebody's using their Bitcoin, but they're going to tell the digital currency. Uh, I tell you, there. I mentioned last week the surveillance state that we're under. This is going to make it 10 times worse. And the thing is, is they could just turn you off. They could just hit a switch and your bank account don't work anymore. Or they could say, look, if you don't spend this digital currency in a certain amount of time, it expires. Maybe they want to stimulate the economy. We were talking about how they affect the economy with interest rates and stuff like that. Maybe they could just affect the economy by telling people you have to spend X number of dollars in a certain amount of time in a certain segment of the economy. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty insidious. And I don't think people are going to realize how bad it is until it's actually instituted and they realize. This is happening fast, people. It's, uh, it's going to happen all around the world. Almost every country has talked about this digital currency thing. It's all part of the World Economic Forum, the Great Reset, the New World Order, where the world leaders, probably unelected ones, like Klaus Schwab, will be able to affect your economic life and your life in general. So central banks, they really do have uh, uh, much power over us. They determine whether or not you can afford a house whether or not you have a job. And uh, it's totally unconstitutional. This is not what our founding fathers uh, expected or envisioned as far as banking in the country goes. And it uh, was pushed through on a Christmas Eve where half the Congress wasn't even there. And it was uh, driven by very powerful, very rich bankers or banksters, 
as we like to call them. All right, let's take a short break. My name is Lou Scatigna. Don't go away. Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Scatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss strategies to protect your estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Registered Investment Advisory Services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Hey, it's that time again. Income tax season. There has been many changes to tax rules the last few years. Some deductions have been eliminated and some have been expanded. Avoid IRS headaches by putting my 35 years tax preparation experience to work for you. I guarantee that your return will be accurate and in most cases will be prepared and ready for you in less than three business days. This season, I'm taking on a limited number of new tax clients. Call for an appointment today and receive a $100 discount off our already reasonable fee. Tax season does not have to be stressful anymore. Call and lock up your appointment at our downtown Tom's River office by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Financial Physician Podcast is uploaded 7 o'clock in the morning on Sunday and available to you for, God, probably eight weeks, maybe even longer, uh, on the Podomatic platform. You could also listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, anywhere that uh, popular podcasts are. And we are, thanks to you, the number one financial podcast uh, on the Podomatic platform. And that's saying a lot. Recently, uh, Feeder.com, uh, which is uh, a website dedicated to podcasts and ranking them, uh, ranked us number three, the third best financial planning podcast in America. Uh, and that is uh, uh, a real surprise to me. And uh, I thank all of you so much for tuning in, sharing a podcast with friends and family. That's the way it grows. And our numbers are growing each and every week. And that's because you're sharing it. And I appreciate it. If you want to get in touch with me, my email address is lou at the com. Love your emails. Got a lot of great emails from our listeners. Uh, if you have a, a financial question that you want me to tackle on the air uh, or you have a personal issue, uh, I'd be more than happy to help you. Uh, or you just want to comment on the program or you want a subject covered, uh, just email me at lou at the com. All right, when we talk about investing, uh, most people think of stocks and bonds. And most people understand the stock market. It's relatively simple. You own shares of a company. If the company does well, the shares will go up, you make money. Or you invest in a mutual fund that has hundreds of stocks in it and is professionally managed, so you're more or less investing in the market itself. 
or you could buy exchange-traded funds that mirror the S&P 500. Uh, and that's the stock market. Most people understand that. But even some experienced investors don't really understand the bond market. So I want to explain what bonds are and where they would fit in your portfolio. Very simply, a bond is simply a loan. It's a, you lend money to a company, you lend money to a government, and uh, they'll pay you interest on that bond, and it'll mature sometime, and you get your money back. That's, uh, in simple terms, what the bond market is. But it's not that simple. Let's start off with uh, sovereign bonds. Sovereign bonds are bonds issued by governments. Uh, it's a way that governments uh, uh, raise debt and pay for deficits. And we're very familiar with that in this country. Uh, we have a huge budget deficit. We have a huge amount of debt. And almost all that debt is in what's called treasury bonds. So when the government has a deficit, it, it goes to Wall Street and it issues bonds, uh, raises billions of dollars and pays for our, uh, our shortfall in our budget. Because you can only use the taxes that come in, and if the, the expenses are higher than the taxes, you got to borrow it. And that's what the bond market is. So uh, let's talk about treasury bonds. Well, there's three different types, and it's all based on maturity. A treasury bill matures in a year or less. You could have a three-month treasury bill, six-month treasury bill, year treasury bill. You buy them at a discount, and they mature at full value. So it doesn't really pay you interest. It just, it just goes up in value, and that's the interest rate. Now, treasury bills paid hardly anything for many, many years after uh, the great financial crisis as the Fed kept interest rates at zero. I mean, they paid almost nothing. And treasury bills are what goes into U.S. government money market funds. So for about 12 years, U.S. Treasury money market funds paid zero. It was just a safe place to park your money until you decided what to do with it. Treasury notes go from a year to 10 years. That's a treasury note, and that does pay interest. So when the bond comes public, uh, an interest rate comes on the bond based on what the market's willing to accept. Uh, so let's say that it's 3%. They're issuing a 10-year treasury bond at 3%. It's going to pay $300 interest for 10 years, and then you get your money back, which is usually $10,000. All right, that's simple enough. Uh, a, treasury, um, uh, a treasury bond is from 10 years to 30 years. I may have misspoke before. Uh, a note is from one year to 10 years, and a bond is from 10 years to 30 years. It's the same thing. It has an interest rate on it based on what the market was at the time the bond was issued, and it'll mature in whatever, 20 years or 30 years down the line. Now, what are the risks in bonds? Um, the risk in bonds, number one, is interest rate risk. What happens if interest rates go up? Now, you have a bond that doesn't mature for maybe 10 years or 20 years, and it's got a low rate of interest compared to the market right now. So what's going to happen to you? Well, you're either going to hold that bond to maturity and get your money back, which means that you may go many, many years with a below market interest rate, uh, maybe an interest rate that doesn't even keep pace with inflation. So what if you want to sell the bond? Well, there's a market for that. It's called the bond market. You don't have to wait 10 years or 20 years to sell that bond. Somebody will buy it from you. The question is, what will they pay for it? Well, they're certainly not going to pay $10,000 for a bond yielding 3% that doesn't mature for 10 years or longer when they can go out in the market right now and buy a 6% bond. But they'll pay you a lot less for your existing bond to equate the yield. So let's say it's a 3% bond. So the bond is paying uh, $300 interest a year. And that represents 3% of $10,000. Now, 
Now, what happens if interest rates go to 6%? Now, this is what's happened uh, over the last few years. Interest rates went up and rapidly. It went from virtually zero to about 5% right now. So what happens? Well, for a $10,000 bond paying $300 a year to equate with a $10,000 bond paying 6% a year, you'd have to sell that bond for around $5,000. And it's just simple math. I mean, $300 divided to uh, uh, $5,000 is 6%, right? So you would lose 50% of your money if you wanted to sell a bond yielding three in a market where a bond is yielding six, right? So think of the, um, the seesaw in the playground. Uh, we all remember the seesaw and you, you have the... The far you go out, the more it goes up and down. The same is true of the bond market. The further the maturity, the more the movement is. So if interest rates go up, 30-year bonds are going to go down a lot more than five-year notes. Why? Because you're going to get that lower interest rate for a really long time. And as you look at that seesaw on the playground, the closer you get to the middle, let's say that fulcrum is uh, the maturity date, the less movement you get. Because you could reinvest those funds at maturity in a short amount of time at the higher rate. You can't do that with a 20- or 30-year bond. So interest rates will kill long-term bonds, and it did kill long-term bonds in 2022 into 2023. And that's what's caused all the problem, problems with the regional banks, because their bond portfolios dropped significantly. Meanwhile, depositors wanted their money, and they had to sell those bonds at a loss, uh, and that's what caused them to become insolvent. Now, conversely, if interest rates go down, well, you want long-term bonds because, again, you have a higher interest rate than the market for a long time. Uh, And people are old enough to recall in 1980, uh, long-term treasury bonds were yielding 18%. 18%. Boy, you wanted to lock that in. You wanted to buy a 30-year 18% bond. Now, when interest rates came back down, those bonds went up significantly as much as 100%, even more. And if you didn't sell them, well, you were happy to collect your 18% for a long, long time. Uh, And that's the beauty of understanding the bond market and understanding interest rates. Now, we had interest rates go up a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, Indications are the next cycle is going to be down as the country's economy contracts and we, we enter a recession or there's a banking crisis or a market crisis. The Fed has indicated that at some point this year, they're most likely uh, to lower interest rates. Well, if you know or you think that they're going to lower interest rates in the next cycle, you want to start buying long-term bonds now at the higher yield. Either you'll make a capital gain on it or you'll just be happy to collect the higher interest. Now, what are other term, uh, types of bonds? Well, you have corporate bonds. Say a company wants to raise some money to build a new plant. Uh, Instead of going to a bank and borrowing the money from the bank, they issue it to investors. They issue it to the public. And Wall Street will underwrite those bonds, raise the capital, and uh, give you the money, and you'll pay interest to the bondholders. You also have uh, tax-free municipal bonds, also known as munis. Uh, They're issued by uh, state governments, local governments, counties, cities. Uh, And uh, for the most part, they're federal tax-free. And if they're issued in the state you live in uh, and there's an income tax, uh, chances are that they're going to be state tax-free too. Now, municipal bonds only make sense for people who are in a high tax bracket. Uh, If you're in a low tax bracket, you're better off getting higher-yielding taxable bonds and paying the tax. So you have to do a calculation. It's called taxable equivalent. 
And what the taxable equivalent is, is uh, say you uh, can get a 4% tax-free interest on a municipal bond. Uh, the taxable equivalent, if you're in a 25% tax bracket, is 5.3%. So meaning if you get 5.3%, you pay 25% tax, you'll net 4%, the same amount as a tax-free municipal bond yielding 4%. Now, as your tax bracket goes up, uh, it, it's more meaningful to you. Uh, if you're in a 30% tax bracket, you have to earn more than 5.71% to do better than a 4% tax-free bond. How about if you're at the maximum tax bracket, say you're at 35%, you need to earn 6.15% in a taxable equivalent bond uh, to get the same after-tax yield as you would get in a 4%, uh, 3%, a 4% municipal bond that is tax-free. Now, I don't want to get too in the weeds with these calculations, but uh, the higher your tax bracket, the more meaningful tax-free bonds are. But they do low, they do yield less than taxable bonds, so it's not a hard calculation to make. Just figure out what your after tax yield would be, uh, and you'll you'll look at the uh, equivalents. Now, what are the risk of bonds? Well, the risk of bonds number one is the interest rate risk that I said before that interest rates go up and your bonds will go down, and the longer the maturity, the the, the further they'll fall. Uh, the other risk in bonds is is credit risk or default risk. You know, what is the chance that that, that bond is not going to pay me my interest on my principal back as agreed upon? Uh, uh, that could be significant, especially when you're in corporate bonds. If you're in lower rated corporate bonds, we'll talk about ratings in a second. Uh, there's a chance that that company will go belly up and uh, you won't get paid or you'll get paid penny, uh, pennies on the dollar. So those are the two main risks that you have in bonds. A, that they're going to default on you. And B, that interest rates are going to go higher and your bond is going to become worth less. Now, there's other things in bonds you have to look at. Um, yield to maturity, um, which would take into account if you bought the bond at a discount or a premium, what will your yield be when it comes to par? Uh, par is, let's in this example, $10,000, what it was issued at. Well, if I bought it at $8,000 and I'm getting 4% yield on that, uh, plus, I'm going to make 20% more in principle as it appreciates to par when it gets close to maturity. My yield to be much higher uh, than the interest rate yield. Uh, what else do we need to know about bonds? Uh, we need to know that uh, they're good for retired people who are looking for income. Why would you use bonds? Bonds generate income. If you're younger, you want growth of your money. Uh, but I manage money mainly for retired people. I use bonds all the time. Uh, I don't use individual bonds mostly. I use mutual funds that invest in bonds. Could be government bonds, could be corporate bonds. Uh, and those bonds pay interest. Those mutual funds pay interest. They pay dividends, either monthly or quarterly. And uh, you could live off that money. And uh, if you're a retired person, you're not looking to grow your money anymore. You're looking to, to consume your money. You're looking to turn on the income stream from the money you accumulated when you were younger in life. And that's why when you, when you look at uh, asset allocation and risk profiles, the younger you are, the more risk you could take because you don't need the money for a long time. You're going to continue to invest over time. You have time for markets to come back. And you'll get a better rate of return over time in the stock market. Sure, you'll have bumps and crashes along the way. But if you have 20, 30, 40 years before you need the money, it doesn't matter. 
But if you're 65, 70 years old, you can't lose the money you saved because you're not earning anymore. And now you have to be concerned that uh, I don't want to lose my money and I want my money to generate income. And that's what it's all about. And retirement is as much income into your life as possible. So we're a big believer uh, in bonds. We're uh, very happy now that the yields finally went up after a decade plus of very low returns. Now uh, investors are getting some significant yield in bonds. So if you're a conservative investor, if you're someone entering retirement, learn about bonds, talk to a financial advisor and find out if bonds are a good thing for you. And if you're an older person or somebody who is very conservative, then bonds may be something that you need to consider. All right, let's talk uh, ratings. Most bonds come with a rating uh, that outlines the quality of credit. That is how strong uh, the bond is in its ability to pay its interest and its principal. And ratings are published by different rating services, uh, and they're used by investors uh, and professionals to judge the worthiness of investing in that bond. Uh, the rating services, the main ones are uh, Standard & Poor's, uh, Moody's Investors Service, and Fitch Ratings. So they rate a company's ability to repay its obligations. Now, each rating agency has a different scale. Uh, for instance, S&P, uh, their, their, their grade ranges from AAA uh, to B. These are the safest and, and the lowest risk. Uh, anything below triple B is considered uh, uh, dangerous or potentially dangerous uh, or junk bonds where there's a chance that uh, they made the fault. Uh, they're very speculative, not something you probably want to buy unless it's in a mutual fund or where a professional is, is watching it. Now, you can't take uh, the ratings that seriously. It's part of your, your investigation into uh, whether or not you want to invest in something like that. Because the ratings services notoriously uh, mislabel some of these bonds. And if you recall back in a big financial crisis, those subprime bonds were being rated uh, AAA uh, by the rating services. And meanwhile, they all defaulted. Also, uh, during the great financial crisis when Lehman Brothers failed, their short-term bonds were rated AAA. The next day, they were zero. Uh, so, you know, you got to take these with a grain of salt. But generally, you know, you take the United States. Uh, we used to always be AAA rated. Nothing was safer uh, than a U.S. Treasury. Uh, and now that's not the case. Uh, our ratings have been lowered uh, one notch or two. But, you know, it's still considered high grade. Uh, but uh, probably shouldn't be. It probably should be BBB or lower. And sooner or later, Treasury bonds are going to be known as junk bonds, uh, but that's a whole nother story. So uh, you don't necessarily need to buy a AAA-rated bond, uh, but you certainly don't want to buy a C-rated bond. Uh, but some people invest in mutual funds, uh, high-yield bond funds, also known as junk bond funds, pay the highest interest rate, uh, but carry a greater amount of risk. And if you have a mutual fund that has 200 high-yield bonds in it, and uh, a few of them default, it's not going to really hurt you that much. But if you own one bond in a company, and it defaults, you lose everything. And that's why mutual funds are, are so important when you're investing uh, either in the stock market or the bond market. Uh, it diversifies 
your risk. So generally speaking, the higher the rating on the bond, the lower the yield. And that makes sense because if my bond is rated low uh, and has a risk of default, uh, I'm going to have to pay higher interest for that debt, just like a subprime borrower would be at a bank. And bond, uh, the bond market's the same way. Bonds are a great alternative to bank accounts and CDs. Uh, you'll almost always get a better rate of return outside the bank. Great option for retired people and a great way to lower risk in your portfolio. So discuss with your financial advisor if bonds are right for you. Right, let's talk insurance inflation. Uh, a lot of Americans are getting uh, letters from their insurance company notifying them of major increases uh, in their car and homeowner's insurance. Now, I received one of these letters um, on Thursday of this week from Allstate, and it says, uh, Dear Lewis and Susan Skutigna, this is to provide donors as required pursuant to NJSA 52-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah of the combined impacts of recent filings to the New Jersey Department of Banking and Insurance by Allstate New Jersey Property and Casualty Insurance Company seeking rate increases within a 12-month period. Allstate New Jersey Property and Casualty Insurance Company was granted an overall increase in the amount of 6.9% effective 11-13-2023 for new business and effective 12-28-23 for renewal business for property insurance. Allstate New Jersey Property and Casualty Insurance Company was granted an additional overall increase in the amount of 4.9% effective 11-20-23 for new business and effective 1-4-24 for renewal business for property insurance. Well, that's not all. It goes on. All state New Jersey property and casualty insurance company subsequently filed on 2-14-2024 with the Department of Banking and Insurance a request for an overall increase in the amount of 36.9% for property insurance, which, when combined with previously approved rate increase, could result in an overall rate increase in excess of 7.0%. I don't understand that. How can I raise it all those times? And it's more than, it is more than 7%, but I, I don't understand that part. But this is where it gets uh, really interesting. If the subsequent filing is approved for the full amount requested, when combined with the previously approved rate increase, the average homeowner's policy will see a rate change of 55.5%. Wow. 55.5%, not 5%, 55.5%. Now, what the insurance companies are saying, it says here, our rate need is driven primarily by inflation, as well as a significant increase in reinsurance costs due to our uh, catastrophe exposure in the state. Severe weather in New Jersey, I guess they're talking about that. At Allstate, property and uh, New Jersey Property and Casualty Insurance Company, we're working hard to always provide you with the best protection at the best price. So what happened here is the, the, good hand, the good hands people are giving us the finger. Yeah, that's right. That's what they're doing. Now, they're not the only one. Uh, my friend of mine got his letter from State Farm saying that his insurance was going up substantially for his car. And, you know, it makes sense that, that insurance coverages will go up if the asset that's being insured goes up in value. And we certainly saw that with real estate. You know, property values have doubled in the last few years, so um, I guess it's not incomprehensible that the insurance coverage on that property would double. And uh, same is true of cars. 
You know, the price of cars have gone up tremendously. The cost of replacing parts and, and, and replacing the entire car uh, is very high. So I get it, uh, but it's pretty, uh, pretty rough on uh, a family that's already middle class families that are regularly uh, uh, are already struggling to pay their bills uh, to have such an increase in a very expensive uh, product to begin with. Uh, the average uh, homeowner's insurance right now is seventeen hundred. I mean, if it goes up fifty five percent, you're talking about another eight hundred, nine hundred a year. And many American families are paying about two hundred and fifty to three hundred dollars a month for homeowners insurance. And uh, that's the last thing uh, American families need right now is to see not only everything they buy every day going up uh, than to see uh, their insurance coverages going up as well. All right, let's talk about uh, what's pretty much a very touchy subject with most people, and that's lending money to family and friends. And if you're going to lend money to family and friends, it really takes uh, careful planning. It really does. Uh, You know, it could be a lot of help to somebody in your family. Uh, that's in a tight spot financially, but it could also cause problems. It could lead to disagreements. It could lead to hurt feelings. It could lead to resentments. It could lead to financial issues for you. If you're not financially uh, strong or set, that, that if you don't get paid back, that, that you will be in trouble. According to a survey by uh, creditcards.com in 2022, of respondents surveyed said they had lost money through loans made to friends and families. Uh, I'm surprised it's not higher. Uh, (laughs) I've lost a lot of money, uh, quote, unquote, lending money uh, to family and friends. Uh, I never look at it as a loan. I I look at it as charity. Uh, If I get it back, uh, I'll be very happy and very surprised. And I think that's the way most people have to look at loans uh, to close people in your relationship uh, because it can cause all kinds of problems. What are some uh, situation in which a family member or a friend might need to approach you for uh, to borrow money? Uh, how about uh, there's an emergency expense. Something came up. They need money quickly. They can't save up for it. They don't have the credit history uh, to qualify Uh, for a personal loan or a line of credit. Uh, They don't meet the income requirements for a traditional loan. Maybe they're ill, they're out of work. So if you're feeling uh, pressured or obligated to offer a loan, it's important you consider whether it makes sense for you in your financial situation. If lending money to somebody is going to put a strain on your own finances and make it difficult for you to keep up with your bill payments, then it's probably not the best move for you. On the other hand, if you have a sizable emergency fund and investments and you don't have a whole lot of debt and you're in good financial shape, uh, making a loan might not be that difficult a decision. Now, aside for uh, the financial implications, how it's going to affect you, it's also important to think of whether you're going to get the money back. Now, if you have a, a, a family or friend, a family member or a friend who's irresponsible, 
uh, and don't pay their bills on time and always have money issues, you're at bigger risk, obviously, of not getting paid back. Uh, but if your friend or family member is uh, usually responsible, uh, pays their bills on time and uh, uh, isn't stupid with their money or has vices, that's another thing. If they have a gambling problem and you lend them money to get out of a gambling debt, chances are they're going to get right back into that same gambling debt again. Or if they have a problem with drugs or alcohol, it's, uh, I don't want to lend money to people with vices. The chances of me ever getting paid back is pretty zilch, pretty much zilch. So you have to, you know, you have to think about these things. And it's a, it's a very uncomfortable position to be put into when somebody asks you for money uh, and, you know, you feel bad turning them down. But sometimes you have to do that. Yeah, it may hurt your relationship a little bit, but it's going to hurt your relationship if you lend them the money and they don't pay you back. And how many family relationships have been destroyed because of a loan that wasn't paid back? I'd rather lose the money than lose the relationship. And you got to understand, too, and I've learned this. Uh, many times the person who borrowed the money from you resents you because they feel obligated to you and they don't like that feeling. They'll stop calling you, stop communicating with you because they feel bad. They haven't paid you back up to now. And uh, the way psychology is, they're just going to try to avoid you. Now, look, if you're lending money to your children, you're just helping your children out. It's never alone. Or rarely is it really alone. Uh, you're helping your children out. You're giving them money, and we do that all the time. And that's another thing to do. you got to be careful if you can't afford to do that. But, of course, we love our children. We love our grandchildren. If they're in need, we're going to take care of them. I'm not talking about those family members. I'm talking about other family members and friends. All right, so when you make a loan to friends or family, uh, having a paper trail is very important because it'll help you avoid misunderstandings. It's like a loan contract. Uh, you both sign it, the borrower and the borrowee. What should be on this contract? Uh, obviously, both your names. The date the loan was granted. The amount that you're lending, of course. The minimum monthly payment, if they're going to pay you back monthly. The payment due date, when it should be paid off. The interest rate, if you're charging interest. Uh, and what is the consequence if they default on the loan? And that's very important. Then you both have a piece of paper that says what you agreed upon, and now there's no misunderstandings. Oh, no, you didn't say that. You said I could pay you back whenever I could. No, that's not what we agreed upon. Now, again, all of this is very uncomfortable. To have your brother-in-law sign a contract, you know, uh, on a $10,000 loan you're making, it, it, it's, it's uh, uh, uncomfortable, to say the least. But, hey, you got to do that. That's the consequences of needing money from somebody else is that you have to be uncomfortable. So the do's and don'ts of lending to family and friends, don't lend more money than you can afford. If you lose it, it shouldn't adversely affect you financially. Don't let guilt drive your decision. It's very important that you do not allow guilt or other pressures to force you to lend money to someone you know. Because if you feel obligated to do it and it doesn't make sense for you financially, 
you better take a step back and reconsider. And you let them know, look, I can't do this. Don't lend somebody your credit. Now, you could um, offer to co-sign a loan for a family member that can't get a loan on their own. Uh, you may let them use your, your credit card in a pinch. But if you give somebody your credit card, you better understand that you're responsible for those balances and the interest. That's very high, of course. Uh, people ask, can I legally charge interest on a loan? Yeah, you can. It's got to be within certain guidelines. There's got to be a minimum interest and a maximum interest. There's a range that you can do. Um, but just realize that if you co-sign a loan for somebody, you're responsible for that loan. If they don't pay, you're going to pay. And you have to understand that. Uh, another thing you could do when you loan money to somebody is get some collateral. What could you give me in exchange that I could hold uh, until you pay me back? All right, I'm lending you $1,000. Uh, let me hold your golf clubs until you pay me back. <laughs> for, for many people, that would be collateral. Uh, you'll get paid back if the other person's an average golfer, right? Look, the bottom line is uh, there's a fine line uh, for helping out a loved one who may be struggling, uh, but you also got to understand that you're putting your relationship at risk. You really are. Uh, and if you uh, lend money to somebody, uh, psychologically, in your own head, you have to uh, come to the conclusion that I'm giving it to them. I'm being a nice guy. I'm helping them out. And uh, if I get it back, boy, that would be a great thing. And again, I know this is a very uncomfortable subject, but be very careful. Now, I see this all the time in my practice, especially with widowed women, that uh, we get calls. I need 5000 and I need 10000 i got to help out my son, my daughter, um, uh, uh, a friend, uh, my brother-in-law, whatever. And meanwhile, they're eating into their retirement nest egg. Uh, and if they don't get paid back, uh, they got a real retirement problem. So if you can do it, it's great. Uh, uh, it is a uh, uh, incredible help to people if you could help them uh, get through a tough crisis. But make sure you evaluate the risk to your relationship and to your financial health. If you live in New Jersey, uh, the state provides a, a pretty substantial property tax relief program called uh, uh, the Senior Freeze, or it's also known as the Property Tax Reimbursement, or the PTR. And, and what this does is it freezes your taxes to the year that you qualify for the program. So in other words, if you qualify for the program and your taxes are $3,000, and over the years it goes up to 5000 every year you get a refund of the amount over and above your base year. And it could be quite substantial. I have some clients that have been in the program 12 years. When they went in, their taxes were $2,000, and now their taxes are $5,000. And they get a $3,000 refund. It keeps seniors in the state of New Jersey from moving away. It's a very high-cost state, right? And uh, it's based on a number of factors. You got to be 65 or older. You have to have lived in your house for three years before you could apply for the program. And there's certain income levels that you can't go over to qualify. Now, these income levels have gone up pretty much every year. Uh, God, it wasn't long ago. It was like $60,000. Uh, last year, I think it was $90,000. But the state has upped the income quite substantially. Uh, for 2022, the income is $150,000. For 2023, 
uh, the income has gone up to 163,050 bucks. Now, if you're just entering the program for the first time, you have to look at two different years, 22 and 23. And if your income qualifies, you would freeze your taxes to 22. If you're already in the program, well, all we're concerned about is last year's income because you don't have to qualify for the program. You're already in it. It's just a matter of staying in the program by not going over the income levels. And this is where people make a big mistake. Many seniors who are in this program will do something silly. They will uh, have a, sell a stock and get a huge capital gain. And they don't realize that by doing that, it's going to kick them out of the property tax program. They're only thinking about income tax at that time. They're not thinking about the senior freeze. Or what if they're in um, uh, pharmaceutical assistance uh, that's based on an income level? I think it's 44000 you can't go over now. Uh, what if you, you get, you get a $15,000 capital gain? Or you take money out of your IRA to lend to your children. We were just talking about lending money, right? Uh, and you incur taxable income. That could kick you out of the pharmaceutical program. It can cost you thousands of dollars. And if you get kicked out of the property tax freeze, say you've been in it for 10 years and you froze your taxes to 2000 and now they're 5000 and you go over that income limit one year, you have to start over at the $5,000 level. Pretty insidious. So uh, great program. Uh, seniors in New Jersey should have received their blue book. PTR1 is for new people into the program. Uh, PTR2 is pre-printed with your name and your base year in it and everything else. Uh, that's for people who are already in the program. So you have, I think you have until October 1st uh, to apply uh, for this. Uh, but you should apply now when you have your taxes done. I do it for my clients. They bring in the book. I fill it out for them. Uh, and you'll get a, a check for the refund for last year's taxes over and above the base year, usually in late August, early September. Depends when you file. If you file before June 1st, uh, chances are you're going to get the first batch of checks. But it's a great program here in New Jersey. If you're unaware of it, uh, find out about it. If you're 65 and older, uh, I don't think both of you have to be 65. Just one of the, of the spouses have to be uh, to qualify. Very, very good program. And I can't believe how many seniors don't know about this. Maybe they're just turning 65 now and they just weren't aware of the program. Uh, but it's something that every senior, 65 or older, should look into. And if you qualify, and most seniors would, you want to make the application and freeze your property taxes. If you don't have the application yet, uh, I would give it a couple more weeks. But if I don't get the application by mid-March, I would contact uh, the, the state. There's a phone number uh, on the website to call and say, I didn't get my PTR application. Now, if you're just applying now, uh, you could just download the application because it's not pre-printed. Um, you could just fill it out and send it in. You don't need their application that they mail you. Uh, you can get that right on the, uh, the website. Just Google uh, New Jersey PTR program. All right, in an effort to uh, bribe voters into voting for him, um, Joe Biden and his administration announced this week that they're canceling $1.2 billion dollars in student loan debt for 153,000 borrowers. Uh, again, uh, if you recall, the Supreme Court slapped down his uh, program to cancel $20,000 worth of debt uh, in a, a large swath of, uh, of student loan borrowers. They said that was unconstitutional. He didn't have the authority to spend that money. So he went around them and had the Department of Education change the repayment schedule as a percent of your income. 
And if you pay 10 years worth of payments, whatever the amount of that monthly payment is, and you don't pay off the balance of the debt, it will be forgiven. Now, in many cases, if you make like forty dollars or $50,000, the minimum payment is zero. But the months keep, go by, keep going by. That 10-year program keeps going by, even though you're not paying anything. And you'll still, on that 10th year, have them forgiven. So it's a way around the Supreme Court. Uh, the Biden administration is still looking for other ways to, to cancel out the debt of so many more students. And, uh, of course, they sent an email uh, to all these uh, student loan uh, debtors uh, saying how great Joe Biden is. Um, uh, he said, uh, I hope this relief gives you a little more breathing room. I've heard from countless people who have told me that relieving their burden of their student loan debt will allow them to support themselves and their families. Buying their first home, start a small business, and move forward with life plans that they put on hold. Uh, how about canceling out uh, your uh, car payment debt? How about canceling out um, the debt you have on your truck that you bought because you never went to college? How about the the poor schmuck who paid his last payment last month. And now we're seeing all these other people getting their, their loans canceled. You know, Greg Gutfeld on The Five, he made a great point this week. He said, why don't it be a combination of the universities and the government and the student all contributing towards canceling this debt? I mean, uh, these universities are not educating these kids. They're coming out with meaningless degrees after charging them sixty, seventy thousand a year and indoctrinating them into uh, crazy wokeness. Uh, I think that was a good point. You know, these schools have been increasing tuition at ridiculous rates because they know these people would go out and get a government student debt, uh, student loan, and be able to pay for it. And they'll worry about the consequences later. I would never send my kid to college these days. I would never pay for it. Uh, I would suggest they don't go unless they wanted to be a, an engineer or a lawyer or a doctor. I wouldn't send them to college. I would send them to a vocational school to learn a trade or, uh, or, or something else, anything but college. Boy, you want to talk about buying votes? That's what this is in an election year. And boy, if I had a student loan debt, I'd be happy about it. But uh, what about the rest of us? And you know the United States government's biggest asset is? Student loan debt. I think it's like $1.5 trillion that's owed to us by students. That's our money. That's taxpayers' money that's owed to us. And this president, in a dictatorial fashion, uh, thumbing his nose at the Supreme Court, uh, is buying votes with your money. It's outrageous, uh, and uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if Trump comes in and he, he overturns this. Uh, but it's not right. It really is not right to selectively choose um, people who would get economic relief. You've got people who are uh, lawyers and, uh, you know, and such, professionals, uh, college professors, that are having their loans uh, cut or or um, or forgiven, and that that's pretty outrageous. 
uh, and it's being paid by people who never went to college or chose to, how about saving a 529 plan for your child to go to college? Or you paid for it yourself. You paid for your own education. You worked during college. Or you went to a two-year community college to save money. But somebody else decided to take on these big student loans and go to a big university out of state. But it's, um, it's uh, vote buying at its worst. It's not going to make any difference. He's going to lose by a landslide anyway. But that's another story. How about this? I was surprised to hear this, this headline. The Teamsters Union, the biggest uh, union, the labor union in the country, made the first major donation to Republicans in two decades. And the move has made a, sparked a huge concern that unions are losing faith in, in Biden. Who he says, I'm the most pro-union president ever. Uh, and this is uh, after a meeting with uh, President Donald Trump. The Teamsters leaders met with him, and a few weeks later, uh, they announced a major donation uh, to the Republican National Committee. Um, Trump told reporters after the meeting, we had a very strong meeting with the Teamsters. He added that there was a very strong possibility that he would get their endorsement. Now, I don't think they endorsed him yet, uh, but donating money uh, to the party uh, is a big move towards that. Now, back in December of last year, they donated a, a bunch of money to the Democrat National Committee, like three times as much. So they're trying to play, uh, I guess, both sides against the middle, uh, depending on who wins. Um, but, you know, Trump told them, look, Bidenomics is hurting your people. You guys are paying the price for Bidenomics. I mean, you guys are blue-collar workers. And why would you endorse him when he's doing nothing to improve your economic situation? On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the outrageous verdict in the New York uh, Trump Freud trial and the crazy, crazy penalty being put on him. Uh, we're going to talk about the ramifications for businesses uh, in New York State. Don't go away. AFM Investments' Lou Skatigna has been serving Ocean County for over 35 years. AFM Investments brings a level of expertise, knowledge, and experience to the Jersey Shore that you would typically have to pursue with a premier investment firm on Wall Street. Whether you need income tax preparation or financial planning, he has the experience to help you with whatever your needs are. For more information, log on to AFMinvestments.net. Registered Investment Advisory Services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I record this show usually on Friday. Uh, that's my podcast day. And last Friday, uh, 
I did the entire show, and then we had the verdict in the, in the Donald Trump case, and I didn't get a chance to comment on it. And that's the case in New York with Letitia James and this crazy uh, judge, uh, Ergaron, Trump hater, uh, the guy who was preening for the camera on the first day, uh, basically found him guilty of fraud before the trial even started, uh, and basically uh, did something that I don't think anybody's ever seen before. Uh, imposed a verdict of uh, hundreds of millions of dollars when not one dollar was lost by anybody. Uh, it's just, uh, we know what this is. This is just get Donald Trump. Letitia James, she campaigned on it. She created a crime uh, just to get him uh, and to destroy his financial empire. Uh, he's not allowed to uh, practice business in New York for three years. And uh, the fine with interest is something like $466 million. Uh, and it's outrageous. And, and, and legal experts have chimed in on this, especially legal, legal experts that don't have a political axe to grind uh, to talk about this. And the first one I'm going to bring to your attention uh, is um, businessman uh, uh, Dennis O'Leary, also known as Mr. Wonderful uh, from Shark Tank. I like this guy a lot. I really did. I like him on Shark Tank. I, I just love his demeanor. Uh, it's just all about money to him. You don't care. Uh, and uh, he's a very successful billionaire businessman. And he was on uh, Fox Business this week uh, with Neil Cavuto. And this is what he had to say about New York State and what it means for their business. I'm no different than any other investor. I'm shocked at this. I, I can't even understand or fathom uh, the, the decision at all. It, it, there's no rationale for it. And so let me give you a real-time uh, experience I'm having regarding this. And I'm not the only one. It doesn't matter what the governor says. New York was already a loser state. Like California is a loser state. There are many loser states because of policy, high taxes, uncompetitive regulation. It was already on the top of the list of being a loser state. I would never invest in New York now. And I'm not the only person saying that. So when he's talking about uh, what the governor had to say, he's referring uh, to this clip. Now, now, she came out after people like him and others uh, said that businesses are going to leave New York because they don't feel that they're secure there. And this is how Governor Hockle responded to that. I think that this is really uh, an extraordinarily unusual circumstance that the law-abiding and rule-following New Yorkers who are business people have nothing to worry about because uh, they're very different than Donald Trump and his behavior. So don't worry about anything, other businesses. This is just Donald Trump. This is peculiar to him. Oh, they just wanted to get him because he's running for president. He's leading for president and they're doing everything they can to stop him in all these democratic cities and states. Uh, it's so obvious to anybody, uh, but it makes us look like a banana republic to the rest of the world. And that's because that's what we're becoming. All right, let's get back to Dennis O'Leary. He's talking about data centers. It's a big deal right now. And uh, to build a data center for billions of dollars, you need power. And this is why he said he wouldn't go to New York, even though it would be a good option for power. You need power. So New York has Niagara Falls. Normally, you'd consider that to put in one of these facilities, create 400 jobs, five more jobs for each of one of those for auxiliary services. I can't go to New York. So I'm going to Oklahoma, North Dakota, West Virginia. 
Governor Stitt, Kevin Stitt, my staff have met with him. Governor Bergen, the same thing. Governor Justice, those are winner states. They don't do things like this. I have to syndicate that debt and all that equity. We're talking billions of dollars here. Do you think any foreign institution or any private equity firm or any pension fund would touch New York? No. And that's why New Yorkers should be concerned. The fine people of New York should ask themselves, why are we such a loser state? How are we going to attract business? It's not just the existing businesses that are fleeing out to Texas and Florida. What about new money like this that I'm talking about, like a $4 billion data center? Not a chance I would put that in New York. Zero probability. Never. Winner states versus loser states. Look at Tennessee right now, fastest growing city in America, Nashville. Winner state, good policy, competitive taxes. You've got to start thinking about this in the context of winners and losers. New York, mega loser state. So, Kevin, what did you think of Governor Hochul saying this is like a unique one and done because Donald Trump went too far and was so nefarious? Uh, you guys, if you're just doing what you should be doing, you have nothing to worry about. But they're very worried about it. Yeah, we're very worried. Every investor is worried because where is the victim who lost money? This is some arbitrary decision a judge made. This policy and what this says, what does this say about the bar, the legal bar? In New York, aren't they going to question this judge? What is this? $355 million and there's dollars as a, as a penalty and there's plus interest at 9% and there's no victim? I mean, I'm sorry, her, her words fall on deaf ears to everybody. There's nothing she can say to justify this decision. And this has nothing to do with Trump, nothing to do with Trump. Forget about Trump. This is not a Trump situation. This is a New York problem now. The whole world is looking at this saying, what are you doing to yourselves? One thing about Mr. Wonderful, he's not afraid to say it like it is. And he's absolutely right. Now, uh, Jonathan Turley, who's the resident uh, legal scholar on Fox News, he's a professor at Georgetown, uh, George Washington University, a constitutional lawyer. Uh, and he's a Democrat. He's not a partisan mega Republican. He's not pro-Trump, uh, but he's pro-law. And this is what he had to say about the verdict. Well, you know, it's a curious defense because what the governor is saying is you don't have to worry if you're not Donald Trump in New York. Mm -hmm. That's the problem. That's why this judgment has to be uh, reversed. But for businesses, if the only thing between them and this type of corporate public execution is the level of discretion of Letitia James, then they're going to move to Florida pretty quickly. I mean, the, you know, the suggestion is don't worry. Uh, we've got your back. This is really something all about Trump. Well, tomorrow it might be all about them. People in business look for those liabilities they can control. They're margin mm -hmm. actors. You know, they, they look to see where is, am I going to be able to flourish? And in the past, New York has drawn businesses because of its legal system. There's always been a lot of crime. There's always been all of these inconveniences with New York. But it was also the center, not just of business, but of business law. What James did is erased all of that. She, she campaigned on bagging Donald Trump. She used a law that has never been used in this way against him. And she got a judge who just imposed uh, damages that are greater than the GNP of some countries. Uh, Trump, Trump said this about that judgment in the campaign trail over the weekend. Listen here. 
The case is a complete and total sham. It's a sham case. There were no victims, no defaults, no damages, no complaints, no nothing. There was nothing. You know, uh, there was nothing here. And and I don't know if it was you or somebody else who said that Letitia James charged the person. She didn't charge the crime. Yeah, part of the, the disconnect here is that you have what will be over $455 million dollars uh, if you include interest. And then on the other side of the ledger, you have zero. There's not a single dollar mm -hmm. lost by these victims. In fact, the people that James calls the victims actually wanted to do more business with Donald Trump. They said they made a lot of money and they viewed him as a whale client. They wanted more loans with him. Now, we learned something also from uh, this case that New York has a weird provision, a poison pill, if you will, that make it very difficult uh, to appeal a verdict if you don't have the money on hand to pay the judgment. And what's really insidious about this is that there's another provision in New York law that requires Trump to pony up the full amount uh, or to get a bond for that amount just to appeal this decision. So it's yeah. a sort of a perverse incentive for figures like this judge. If you he made this so large that it could force Trump to liquidate assets in New York just to be able to get other judges to look at this. And Attorney General uh, Letitia James said that she's prepared to seize Trump's buildings and assets if he can't pay the penalty imposed uh, by the state. And he has to come up with it or a bond in 30 days. Uh, or they're going to start taking over his properties. I mean, this is horrible. I mean, he's liberal Democrats, these left-wing monsters, are destroying these states and these cities. Look what they're doing. They're committing business suicide in New York with this. And it's obviously political. And uh, because it is political, it makes it even more insidious that they can go after you, even if you're a billionaire like Donald Trump, and ruin your empire. One judge, one attorney general, both Trump-hating leftists, who don't want him to be president again, and they could do this. It, it's This isn't America anymore. I'm telling you, this is changing very, very quickly, and it should concern all of us. I don't care if you like Trump or not. You just can't use the law. You can't use it to destroy people and do it uh, indiscriminately and unfairly uh, and uh, one-sidedly. It's... Uh, uh, this is going to cause, you want to talk about political civil war? What if Republicans did that in all the cities and states that they're in? I mean, what kind of a country do you have at that point where one political party is always going after somebody on the other side with every means that they have possible to try to stop their political movement? Regardless of what the people want, that doesn't matter. You know, even though Donald Trump's ahead by, uh, uh, I think a Harris poll just came out. He's up by nine points. Biden's un unapproval rating is 56%. So those numbers are worse than they're even saying. So uh, that's what the people want. They want Donald Trump, but the left don't want him. They are so afraid of him getting in that they will do anything, including destroy the country. Uh, it's, uh, it's infuriating. Now, my favorite show on Fox is The, the Five. My wife and I watch The Five every day. I don't watch any other shows on the Fox. Maybe five minutes of Fox and Friends in the morning when I'm getting dressed to go to work. Uh, that's about it. Uh, and uh, 
And uh, the five had, you know, the usual group on, um, uh, Judge Janine, uh, Jesse uh, Waters, um, Tavlov, the liberal chick, which we'll talk about her in a second, uh, uh, Greg Gutfeld, and um, Dana Perino. And it got a lot heated. <laughs> it got pretty heated there uh, the other day when they were talking about this case because the liberal girl goes after Trump and then starts bringing up all these other things. Uh, uh, and uh, you can't justify this. I- I'm sorry. You just can't do it. Uh, let's listen to uh, first Judge Janine, what she had to say about this. Even if that was a bad uh, a representation by Trump, it has to be to their detriment. Who lost? No one. Mm -hmm. And what New York is saying now is not only are we not going to keep you safe from the super gangs, the MS-13 and the Trenaruga or whatever they're called, Mm -hmm. right out here, two blocks away, which is why I won't even walk outside anymore. But what they're saying is that uh, with Amazon and, and AOC, we don't want business in New York. They were going to get a $1.5 million tax break, and AOC went ballistic. She, we lost $4 billion in wages, 25,000 jobs, and $12.1 billion in benefits that would have been to New York businesses and to New Yorkers. This Letitia James is out of control. She is unethical. She is inept. You do not pick a person and say, I will find a crime. I don't like you. I'm going to find. We've got all this crime going out here. And this woman's after Donald Trump. Shame on her and all of them. I love Judge Janine. I think she's like 72 years old. Sharp as a tack. uh, And is not afraid to say uh, what's on her mind, uh, of course. Uh, She was a prosecutor. I'd hate to be prosecuted by her. (laughs) <laughs> I really would. I'd be afraid. Uh, but after that, they uh, move on to the, the liberal uh, chick, uh, uh, Jessica Tolov. And, you know, she does her best. She has to toe the liberal line. Uh, but it starts to get a little out of control. And you can see uh, uh, everybody else is starting to get upset uh, when she uh, tries to defend what happened. You can't have three sets of books. You can't have the books for the bankers, so that's Deutsche Bank, who, yeah, is happy with all this. Then you have your IRS books, and we know that you're supposed to tell the IRS the truth. And then you have a, a, a set of books with the real numbers, I guess, which is what Alan Weisselberg had. But Donald Trump continually. There were three sets of books. Where do you get that from? Uh, Where do you get that from? That's three part sets of what Engeron Engor- had said that. Percent- <laughs> oh, because he's a lunatic, it means it didn't exist. Yeah, this is Donald a judge Trump who decides listened. cases is based on emotion. Okay. I think emotion is hot at the table and it is not emanating from me. So since Donald Trump ran the first time, he has been making this argument. If they could do this to me, they could do this to you. The average person is not inflating their wealth by 800 million to $2.2 billion. They're not sexually assaulting women. They're not storing classified documents in the toilet. They're not fomenting an insurrection. Mar-a-Lago, you remember the Let's focus on this case. We can do no, we can do a, we can do a lot. You no, always no. do that. Guys. No, no, Jessica, you're doing not. a laundry list. Really? You you're doing a laundry list too, when we're talking focus on one topic. We're focused on one topic. Okay. And yes, it does matter. Falsifying your business does, records. Do you do that? No. I'll, t- I'll tell you what I do do, because I'm glad you asked. When you're in a contract negotiation exactly. with a company, let's say your contract is up and your company says, we want to renew your co- contract, and they don't give you a bump in the raise. That's the beginning. And then you come back and you go, you know what? 
I'm going to ask for the freaking moon, which I always do. And I know I'm not going to get the moon, but I also know at the end of the day, they're going to see everything. I can say I want $100 million over the next six months. They're going to laugh, laugh, laugh. But that doesn't mean I broke the law. It means this is what you put down in a negotiation. And as the judge said, it's all transparent. They actually see it. There is no fraud here, which is why you're bringing up other stuff. No, it's not. I Pretty tough sitting in that seat, uh, being the liberal, trying to defend Joe Biden, uh, trying to defend these crazy politically driven lawsuits in uh, Democrat cities run by Trump hating Democrats who are just trying to interfere in the election. You think this would be happening to Donald Trump if he wasn't running for president again? Of course not. Uh, and everybody knows it. Uh, but it's uh, it's kind of like being the, the conservative on The View. Actually, it's not that bad. If you're the conservative on The View, uh, you don't last very long because they attack you every day uh, without respect. Uh, that doesn't happen on uh, The Five. Yeah, they're really respectful. Harold Ford Jr., Jessica Talalov, uh, even uh, Rivera when he was there. Him and uh, Gutfeld used to bang heads there. That's why Rivera's gone, by the way. Uh, but this got a little uh, little heated. I was watching it live. Uh and good for them for calling her out because she's just spewing the, the liberal Democrat lies about Trump. Then he brought in uh, Jesse Waters. Always level-headed. Uh, I think he's smart as hell. I, I think he's the smartest guy on Fox News, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but let's listen to what he had to say. I was going to say, you obviously, with respect, Jessica, know nothing about real estate, real estate valuations, real estate development, or the IRS or getting loans from big banks to develop skylines in New York City. Donald Trump did more for New York City than a thousand Letitia James has done. And if you look at this history of this case, she's gone after now Cuomo, Donald Trump, the NRA, the NYPD, and she's done nothing on street crime, nothing on real white collar crime. And then her phony friend, Alvin Bragg, if you just try to defend yourself working at a bodega or on the subway, he goes after you. That's why 160 businesses have left New York. That's why almost a million New Yorkers have left. This is an unsafe climate if you have a certain political opinion. That's why companies don't do business in Venezuela, Russia, Pakistan, because it's corrupt. Because if you're on the other side of the political people that are in power at the time, they'll target your business. And I like the fact that you said you're not supposed to mess with your books or you're supposed to tell the truth to the IRS. Because that's not what the Biden family business has done. Oh, my God. And all we're saying, Jessica, is we want fair treatment. You're looking at a mountain of evidence where the guy doesn't even have a business card. The Bidens don't even have a website. And there's diamonds missing. There's tax fraud. He's sitting down to dinner with Russian billionaires and then leaving them off the sanctions list. Donald Trump, you can see what he does. Uh-huh. No one's complaining about this. Bidens are ripping people off, and then they're getting away with it. Hey, Jesse Waters is absolutely right. Absolutely right. And uh, these people are, are dangerous to our country. These crazy left-wing Democrats, and there's so many of them, uh, are dangerous to our country. And here's an example. Uh, of course, New York City, the mayor, is going to give migrants preloaded deb- debit cards with $10,000 in it. Boy, that's a genius plan. Give unvetted illegals taxpayer funds 
and uh, give them free luxury hotel stays. This is not going to be an incentive for the rest of the world to come to America. It's outrageous. It's, um, it's totally crazy. It's going to cost uh, the city $2.5 billion in taxpayer funds just for one year. I mean, this is insanity. This is a definition of insanity and societal suicide. And people who live in the city, uh, people who are poor, African-Americans, they're looking at this and they're saying, wait a second, what about us? They get free health care. They get free money, debit cards. And we can't pay our rent. Don't you realize when you incentivize something, you get more of it? I mean, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out. And we should not be surprised when we see thousands of immigrants showing up in New York City to get their share. It's unbelievable. It's just, you wouldn't think this is even possible. Do you know that the Bible has comments on foreigners in your country? Let's go to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 43. It is Sunday morning after all, so let's do a little Bible study. Foreigners who live in your land will gain more and more power while you gradually lose yours. They will have money to lend you, but you will have none to lend them. In the end, they will be your rulers. Boy, isn't that true. Boy, I wonder if I identify as an immigrant, if I can get my money. I've also heard that they don't even have to show ID to get this prepaid debit card. It's unreal. It's really unreal. Oh, let's talk about more craziness. A male student in Massachusetts, he identifies himself as transgender, injured, injured multiple girls during a basketball game on February 8th. Did you see the video? It was all over Fox. You won't see it anywhere else. Uh, the girls team from Collegiate Charter School of Lowell ended up forfeiting a game against Kip Academy after the biological male injured three female students. The team's coach made the decision to forfeit the game during halftime. The bench was already depleted going into the game with a 12-player roster, having four players unable to play. When the coach saw three more girls go down in the first half, leaving him with five players, he made the call to end the game early. Uh, how about ending the game to protect his uh, players? Uh, that's, that's the real reason to forfeit the game. I ain't playing against six-foot-two man. Now, you would think that the school that had to forfeit and had three players injured would uh, release a statement uh, being very upset about this. But no, this is what they released. We take the standards set by the Massachusetts Interscholastic Athletic Association and our board of trustees seriously and strive to uphold them on and off the court. We also follow the guidance from MIAA and state laws regarding equity and access for all student athletes. So, no, they're not complaining that... They're playing against the guy because they're woke, too, you know. Uh, they're part of the education system. And on the video, you could see him. You know, This girl got the ball. He just, like, rips it out of her hands as he's twisting. And she goes flying down to the floor. And she can't get up because she was hurt. You know, the swimmer, uh, Riley Gaines, you know, she was the first one to complain about, you know, men swimming with women and setting all kinds of records. Uh, she wrote on Twitter, she said, a man hitting a woman used to be called domestic abuse. Now it's called brave. She's right. Just more insanity, woke insanity, gender insanity. 
Oh, I can't take it anymore. I really can't. Uh, this past Thursday, there was two incidences that are, are very concerning. Um, the first one was we saw AT&T uh, cell service uh, out in good portions of the country. Uh, and it was out for about 13 hours. And, you know, federal officials are investigating whether or not this was a cyber attack. Now, the company came out afterwards and said, no, it really wasn't a cyber attack. It was just an overwhelming demand. Uh, I don't know if that's true. Also, on the same day, pharmacies across the country were reporting uh, delays to prescription orders due to a cyber attack against one of the country's largest healthcare technology companies. Change Healthcare, a company handling orders and patient payments throughout the U.S., first noticed a cybersecurity issue affecting its networks Wednesday morning on the East Coast. Change Healthcare is experiencing a network interruption related to a cybersecurity issue, and our experts are working to address the matter. So uh, apparently uh, pharmacies across the country go through this company to process orders and things like that. Uh, the estimated date for resolving the issue will be tomorrow or later. Uh, so that's nice. What if you needed a prescription uh, and you can't get it? Uh, and it's uh, a prescription that can't be delayed. It's un- un- unreal. Um, and we got to be really careful about this. we got to be wor- worried about this. They are very sophisticated. China and Russia... And if they want, they have the ability to take down virtually any industry. The electric grid, the banking system. And uh, maybe these are tests that we're seeing now. On the same day, we have uh, cell service being interrupted nationwide. And then you have uh, pharmacies uh, being attacked, uh, cyber attack. It's scary. An undercover uh, journalist uh, was having a discussion, uh, a conversation with an official from the Red Cross. And uh, this is raising concerns about uh, the vaccination status of blood donors. And apparently, the undercover recording reveals that the Red Cross does not track or separate blood based on vaccination status. This means that, that patients requiring transfusions can unknowingly receive blood from vaccinated donors. That's outrageous. I am not vaccinated, and I don't want blood that has vaccine in it or mRNA genetic stuff or spike proteins or whatever. And uh, the journalist says uh, in the undercover recording, uh, is there any way for my patients to know if they're getting vaccinated blood or not? The Red Cross official said there isn't any way. The blood isn't separated depending on if you're vaccinated or not. It's not separated. The only way they can get blood that's not vaccinated is if they donate for themselves or if they have a family member that's willing to donate it for them. Wow. Uh, So you may uh, wind up with the vaccine even though you didn't want it. And you unknowingly would get it. If you have to go in for an operation or anything, uh, I would donate my own blood, assuming you weren't vaccinated already. I certainly would do that. I wouldn't want to take anybody else's blood, not knowing your vaccine status. So much that they, they keep from us. There's so much they hide from us. Uh, Richard Hirschman, he's a funeral director and an embalmer from Alabama. 
He went viral this week after releasing a pretty disturbing video. You have to see this. Uh, last Sunday, which has uh, had 15 million views since then. This guy Hirschman, he he had a, a role in the, the hit documentary Died Suddenly. Remember we were talking about that last year? I had the video up on my website. It's still there uh, on the blog somewhere. You should see it about people all around the world of all ages just dying suddenly. You know, you hear that all the time now. A young person died suddenly. They don't tell you why. They just said died suddenly. 90 million views of that, of, of, of that documentary. Anyway, uh, the video shows uh, Hirschman removing what he describes as, quote, strange white fibrous clots from the right jugular vein of a deceased individual. Hirschman, who has more than two decades of experience in embalming, expresses disbelief and concern in the video's caption. Quote, this is a video of me removing one of the strange white fibrous clots from the right jugular vein. The person who was recording it is Nikki King, who was also an embalmer. I didn't notice it until I lifted the vessel up. I could feel it inside the vein. I only show this because people still don't believe it and ask for video evidence. What's causing this? I can't say for sure, but it didn't start. I didn't start seeing this until early 2021. Unfortunately, I still find strange clotting in several bodies that I embalm. Uh, and he goes on, you know, regardless of anybody's demographic or political affiliation, these strange clots have emerged, uh, and he's consistently observed them since 2021. This phenomenon, he noted, was not seen in his prior 20 years of practice. Democrats, Republicans, liberals, far left or right, white or black, male or female, rich or poor, this is what I'm seeing coming out of the circulatory system during the embalming process since early 2021. In the prior 20 years, I don't recall ever seeing this before. Something is causing this problem, and I think we should try to figure it out, because I see it quite often now. May God help us, he wrote. Wow. Uh, I wonder what's causing it. Oh, Jesus. Oh, but you know what? If you need blood, you may be getting vaccinated blood. Unbelievable. And every day we seem to get closer and closer to World War III. Uh, this week uh, we saw the sinking of a British uh, cargo ship uh, by Iran. Well, not Iran, but Iran-backed Houthi, Houthis. Never really heard of Houthis until recently. Uh, so they basically sunk a British cargo ship uh, with a missile or a drone. I don't know what it was. Uh, also, the same day, one of our Reaper drones um, was shot down by Yemen. Uh, just a $30 million unmanned drone. You know, no big deal. So according to reports, the United Kingdom's Maritime Trade Operations Agency reported Monday that the Houthis sunk a ship traveling in the Red Sea south of the port city of Mukha, in Yemen. It is the first time since the start of Israel's war on Hamas that a crew had abandoned their ship because of the Houthis. I wonder what we did about it. Oh, they also on Monday attacked uh, two U.S. ships in the Gulf of Aden. What are we doing about it? How long is it going to be before one of our um, Navy vessels are sunk with a thousand or more crew inside? I tell you, this administration does everything wrong. I can't think of one thing right that Biden has done. One thing. Everything he has done is the opposite of what's good for America.
You hear about this uh, artificial intelligence thing that, that Google has? Uh, it's a, a chatbot image generation tool. And basically, when you uh, inquire of uh, Vikings or the Pope or whatever, uh, they're never white. It's always a black person or a woman. The Pope they have is a woman. Now, of course, people are seeing this on so- and they go into social media. Um, and uh, social media users had blasted Gemini as absurdly woke and unusable after request to generate representative images for subjects resulted in the bizarrely revisionist pictures. We're already working to address recent issues with Gemini's image generation feature, Google said in the statement posted on X. While we do this, we're going to pause the image generation of people and re-release an improved version soon. Examples included an AI image of a black man who appeared to represent George Washington complete with white powdered wig and Continental Army uniform, and a Southeast Asian woman dressed in papal attire, even though all 266 popes throughout history have been white men. In another shocking example uncovered by The Verge, Gemini even generated diverse representations of Nazi-era German soldiers, including an Asian woman and a black man decked out in 1943 military garb. This is Google. People, we've all gone insane. I mean, I haven't, but so many people have gone insane. This is nuts, this stuff. This is absolutely nuts. I'm going to do, maybe next week I'll do it. I'm going to do a segment on artificial intelligence. I'm learning a lot about it. Uh, It's very interesting. And uh, in some ways, uh, quite scary, actually. Uh, So, uh, yeah, uh, every, every historical figure now is not white. And many of them are women that were men. Uh, so uh, social media has called them out and they had to shut the thing down. How about uh, this uh, craziness? A bill making its way through the California legislature. Ooh, what a, what a surprise. The California legislature, if approved, paved the way for free college tuition for black students and other perceived marginalized communities. Uh, the bill would effectively allow the governor to circumvent the state's longstanding ban on racial preferences first passed by a majority of voters in 1996 with Proposition 209 and reaffirmed in 2020 referendum. It doesn't matter what the people think. You see what I mean? It doesn't matter. The measure would allow the governor to use the state's coffers to fund research-based or culturally specific programs if they increase the life expectancy of improving educational outcomes for or lifting out of poverty specific groups based on race, color, ethnicity, national origin, or marginalized genders, sexes, or sexual orientations. Uh, Is this not racist against white people? Only blacks can get free education. (laughs) This is crazy stuff. I mean, it just can't get crazier. It can't get crazier. Ugh. It's uh, unbelievable. Again, there's that word, unbelievable, insane. So basically what this this bill would do, it would give the governor the power to exempt certain groups from state laws outlawing racial preferences. If a study, any study, shows the exemption would help them. And they worded it like it was a small exemption, uh, but it's actually a huge exemption. 
Also, the exemption could be used for um, public contracting and, and employment. You got to be black. Uh, the Wall Street Journal and editorial uh, uh, William McGurn argued the new bill shows the lesson the advocates of state-sponsored discrimination have taken from their defeat in the Supreme Court is that if you're first you don't succeed, try something sneakier. The Orange County Register editorial board has also come out against the bill. We urge the Senate to turn down AC7. The legislature has more important things to do, such as dealing with a $68 billion budget deficit than foisting on voters an initiative, initiative that would be defeated or thrown out of court. The petition launched by the No on AC7 group argues that if it becomes law, President and future governors will be able to make as many exemptions as they like so long as they can find research that says it's okay to discriminate on the basis of race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin. It's totally crazy. Where does it end? And if that was not enough, let's go to Indiana. We're in Indiana. A Catholic couple, Mary and Jeremy Cox, are taking their legal battle to the Supreme Court after their son was removed from their home by the state government for not using his preferred gender pronouns. In 2019, their son declared a female gender identity, which the Cox's devout Catholics did not acknowledge in accordance with their religious beliefs. They instead sought therapy for what they considered underlying mental health issues. It is a mental health issue. If you're a boy, you think you're a girl. Or if you think there's 37 different genders. The Coxes also believed that he needed help for underlying mental health issues, including an eating disorder. To address both issues, they provided therapeutic care for their child's gender dysphoria and scheduled appointments with a specialist to help him with the eating disorder. The Indiana Department of Child Services started an investigation in 2021 when it came to light that the Coxes were not addressing their son by his chosen name and pronouns. Despite the absence of abuse, Indiana officials decided that the couple's non-acceptance of their son's gender identity was harmful to the child's mental health and contributed to an eating disorder, leading to the child's removal. He was placed at a foster home that affirmed his transgender identity. You know, this kid's been gone for two years. Two years. Could you imagine a state coming in and taking your child away? Because you won't give in to his mental health issue, thinking he's a girl when he's a boy, and not addressing him by a girl's name or a girl's pronouns. But I don't even know what to say about this. It's going to the Supreme Court. Hopefully, uh, the Supreme Court will uh, deal with this. But the damage is already done. They've lost two years with their kid. On Saturday night, uh, President Trump won South Carolina beating Nikki Haley, a woman who just won't go away. Uh, now, I'm finishing this up. Uh, it's early Saturday evening. I don't know what the, um, the uh, extent of the victory was, how many percentage points, but it was an overwhelming victory uh, for Donald Trump, and it's, it's his nomination. Uh, I guess she's just hanging around uh, to see if he gets locked up or something, and she can step right in, right? Uh, maybe that's the plan. Who knows? Uh, but she's ruining her. 2028 chances she's destroying her reputation with the, the pro-trump people which is most of the republican party uh i'm not 
excited about her running in 2028. Now, DeSantis got out of the way. And he's even on Trump's shortlist to be vice president after all that stuff going back and forth. But he was smart enough to go. He made a mistake to run against him. Another person who made a very bad political mistake. All these candidates should have just got out of the way and uh, ran in 2028. You know, it's Trump's time now. Uh, The Republican Party is obviously behind them. It's not even close. And they should all just get out of the way and unify. But Nikki Haley, she's a deep stater. She's a rhino. Uh, She's just what the Uniparty wants. She's a warmonger. Uh, And she made a very, very big mistake. Now, she was asked, uh, if you lose South Carolina, are you going to drop out? And if not, why not? When the country's future is on the line, you don't drop out. When the country's future is on the line, you do drop out and let the front runner uh, run unopposed with the party unified behind them. Everybody going after Biden and everything they've done in this country to ruin this country. That's what you do when the future of the country is on the line. You don't divide the party when you know you can't win. Now, she must be getting some financing. Obviously, the, the, the donors are giving her money, even though they know Trump's going to win. And I guess they're thinking the same thing she is. Well, with all these lawsuits, maybe Donald Trump will be ineligible to run or so damaged that at the convention they'll put her in. But she's really taking a risk here because uh, the Republican Party is not going to back her in 2028. Ron DeSantis, yes, I think so. I think the Trump people will back him. And maybe Trump will give him a position in his administration if he wins. Uh, but uh, Nikki Haley now is uh, she's toast. With Trump, uh, with all the the Trump supporting Republicans, and uh, sooner or later the donors will pull away, uh, and she'll have to you know face the, uh, the truth that she has no chance of winning. She doesn't have one delegate, and she's not going to get one. Well, maybe she'll get some. All right, that's it for today's program. Thanks so much for joining us. If you like the program, share it with friends and family. Put it on your social media. If you want to get in touch with me, send me an email at lou at com. If you want to set up a no-obligation, one-hour financial review and consultation with me in my Tom's River office or on a, a phone consultation, call my office at 732-905-8100, 732 732- 905-8100. Yes, we're still taking income tax appointments. No problem there. If you want us to do your income tax, just give us a call at 732-905-8100. Have a wonderful week, and until next time, don't you ever forget, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. Right.